You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Buncher Radio, episode 35. Trey Yannity, Marty Leap with you as always. Today we are joined by another special guest, Brad Case, pitcher in the Pittsburgh Pirates minor league system, a fellow podcaster. Brad, thanks so much for being on with us tonight. How's your holiday season going so far? What's going on, guys? It's been going uh, fantastic so far. Just got home, um, excited to hang out with the families, have some good memories, and uh, just have a good year or finish off an interesting year and you know hopefully make next year a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, man. Interesting to say the least. This is uh yeah. this has been a, a different year. Thankfully now in the final month of it, winter meetings just getting wrapped up this past week. We took a little hiatus from Run Bunch of Radio. Apologize to everybody. It's been a couple of weeks. We're back now though. Excited to to get this episode turned around as well as a lot of great episodes to come. We got all kinds of articles out right now, a lot going on. Go check it out. Rumbunter.com on the app as well. Brad Case, Brad, again, thanks so much for being on with us tonight. We're going to break down your story, your journey in the game of baseball, talk about where you're at right now, what you plan on this offseason, and, and what's to come. But let's start by just taking it all the way back. Your beginnings in the game of baseball, how you got started, and when you really began to, to play the game um, on a regular basis. Yeah, um, I, I, for me, I feel like it's always... It was just always baseball. Um, there's a lot of guys that grew up playing a bunch of sports. I was one of those guys too, but it was baseball and then everything else for me. Um, like my earliest memories are me and my dad in my front yard when I was four years old, um, just playing with like a wiffle ball and like doing that stuff. And it was, I was hooked immediately. Like it was never a doubt in my mind that baseball was the thing I was going to love for my entire life. Yeah, man, that's, you know, I feel like we've heard different guys talk about their experiences. You know, some guys didn't really find a passion for the game until, you know, they were in their 20s even or late teens, um, you know, at this yeah. level. But you obviously had that from a young age. Talk about some of your coaches growing up and, and how they helped evolve your game. And, you know, when you started to realize, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at this game. I might be able to, to continue playing at the next level. Yeah. Um, let's see. Geez, I've had a lot of coaches over the years help me out. Um, probably one of the biggest influences is uh, when, I was, when I was like 12, um, we had this coach, uh, his, one of my best friends is named uh, Vinny Mazzaro and his dad, Coach Mazzaro, I, I still call him. <laughs> yeah. um, 
he was he was a college pitcher for Iona College, which is a local place by me. And he, we just had a great team. We had a great, um, we had a great group of friends, and we just like I'm still even close with some of those guys. Um, and it was just a, it was a lot of fun. It was a blast, and that's like really when I started. I like I said, I was always pretty hooked to baseball, but you know that summer when I was. 10, 11, 12, those were all like some of the best times of my life that I still look back on because it was just so much fun. Um, and that's when I started getting better and better. Uh, but I was actually, uh, I was usually the guy that blew the game or lost it for my team when I was 10, 11, 12. Oh, and my friends still give me crap for it to this day. So that's pretty fun. Oh, man, that's ridiculous. They're giving you, you're, you're a professional baseball player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's it was a good time. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so Coach Coach Mazzaro, I definitely owe a lot of credit to. And then as I moved into high school, uh, Coach Caputo was probably one of the biggest influences in my entire life. Um, hope I'll send this to him for sure, and he'll give it a listen because um, I owe him a lot of my success because he's one of the he's one of the greatest guys I've ever been able to know in my life. Definitely, yeah. I mean, you know, coaches in this game mean so much development wise, and in such a fundamental game. Um, you know, there's so many people I think that that gets you to that level. Talk about your high school days, though, and, and how you kind of evolved and, you know, decided that I want to play this game in college and kind of that process. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. Um, when I was in high school, like I showed up freshman year and I went to a private school near me and they were known for having a better baseball program. And that's specifically why I chose them, because I saw my public school. I saw the kids um, that were there with me in that group. And I was just like, this is not I was like, we're going to be terrible. I don't want to <laughs> deal with this. Um, so I kind of wanted to get out of there and I go over to Anna prep and I get there my freshman year and it's, it was a pretty intimidating place. Like it was known for like having dudes. Um, and especially in a place like New York and the Northeast where baseball isn't the premier sport, um, where our athletes overall just, I feel like we don't compare as well to the rest of the country. Um, it was still pretty intimidating to come to this school and, you know, want to try to be a baseball player here. Um, I remember, you know, in a grade of 200 kids, 50 kids showed up for freshman year tryouts and I was so nervous and I'm actually there my first day of tryouts and I'm playing catch with uh, Jafet Rivera, who's the son of Mariano Rivera. Oh man. Yeah. And we're playing catch and we're throwing and I'm launching this ball as hard as I can at this kid, hoping that the kid, the coaches recognize me. And after about the fourth or fifth throw or Jafet jogs over and goes, Brad, you can like calm down. I think we're going to make the team. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I played freshman year, had a great time. Junior or sophomore year on JV, had a good time. Um, and then junior year comes around, and I was uh, like, I'm not, I'm going to put it pretty bluntly, I was a liability. Um, wow. I was not that good. Uh, I had like a five or a six ERA. Like I was the guy that they pitched when it was just like, all right, well, we need another starter, so Case get out there. Um, and I didn't play well at all. Um, Played, I had a good, I had one good game like towards the end of the year in a playoff game, um, and they pitched me just because they were like, right, we're, we're out of pitching, so Case get out there, and I actually ended up doing well. But I moved into that summer, and it was the recruiting summer, and I was, geez, I was nervous, man. I was trying to play college baseball. Um, I thought I had a chance to go somewhere, but then all of a sudden, like that summer, I started throwing a little bit harder. Um, stopped walking as many guys and started, you know, honing in, honing in on my, some of my strengths and, uh, the strikes on overall. And I started getting offers and I got some D one offers and I was like the first D one offer I got, I was pumped. Um, and then, you know, at the end of the summer, I ended up having, 
I think it was, I think maybe six or seven offers overall. And I was just ecstatic about that. It was, I think it was Canisius College up in Buffalo. It was Hartford over in Connecticut. Um, Barry College. It was, a, I think that was NAI in Georgia. Uh, Rollins College, the school I ultimately ended up going to. And then uh, St. John's and as well as uh, actually University of uh, South Alabama, the same school that Travis Swaggery went to. Nice. So there's a lot of times where I think like, oh, wow, I wonder if what would have happened if I, you know, played with Travis. Now, looking back now, but when I was in that moment uh, and I had all these offers, I was I really had no idea what to choose. I was 17, 18 years old and I was pretty nervous. Um, I had a legitimate conversation with myself. Um, I was like, do I ever think I would ever play professional baseball? And the answer was no. And I was like, I should just go to the school with the best education. So I chose Rollins because I thought that was, I thought there was actually no chance on the planet that I was ever going to play professional baseball, but here I am now. So yeah. Wow. That's awesome, Manny. I feel like a lot of guys you hear, you know, go to maybe D2s or JUCOs, whatever, with the sole purpose of, I have to play this game at the next level. That's, you know, that's a different thought process. It's a noble thought process to be thinking about education and everything else. Um, But you know, what, what was the, the feeling inside of you as you got to Rollins and, you know, made the switch to warm weather. Obviously that helped. Um, yeah, you know, that was, what was the, what was the kind of thought once you got there? Like, Hey, what, what's it going to take to continue playing this game? And, you know, was that ever the thought? Was it just, I'm going to get to school and, and do what I can? Yeah. Um, well, actually, so take a little bit of a step back. So like I made that decision to go to Rollins and then I go into my senior year and I, I still kind of thought I was going to be that same kid that was okay for my high school. And I get there and our best pitcher, who was this left-handed pitcher, who ended up, he played at Pitt actually um, for a little bit at the college team there. And he, we get the, we get back to school and he tears his elbow. He has to get TJ. He's out for the year. And I'm like, my coach is kind of looking at me like, all right, Brad, like you're going to have to kind of be the guy this year. And I was like, oh God. And I ended up going out there having like a sub two ERA like a 0.7 whip, led the league in strikeouts, all these numbers, I ended up winning uh, MVP for all of New York City. Oh my so God. all those, all that kind of came out of nowhere. And I still like kind of look back at it and couldn't believe that all of that happened. But uh, it was one hell of a senior year. And then kind of going into freshman year, I, I got there with kind of the mindset of like, dude, you're in Florida now. Like you're in trouble. Like this is, this is real baseball. Um, so I was kind of prepared to not play at all. Um, and I was, you know, I had the, I had a lot of teammates, uh, some of my best friends still to this day, um, you know, guys from Tennessee and Georgia and Carolinas and Florida. And I, like, I felt like they were better than me just because of where they were from. And I think I'd let that hold me back a little bit, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it helped me work harder a little bit too. But ultimately I, I knew that I had to put in a lot of work to just try to catch up with those guys. And by doing that work, um, I watched my velo slowly grow, slowly grow. And then I think within, by the end of my freshman year, I had jumped like six miles an hour. I went from throwing 85 to throwing 91 wow. and I couldn't believe the strides that I was making. Um, but you know, a lot of that, I credit that a lot of that to, uh, guys like, uh, coach McGonagall that I had there my freshman year, who I love to death. Um, we're still, we still stay in touch to this day. And then, um, actually my catcher there who, Ended up getting drafted by the uh, Giants the year after, uh, Chris Corbett. He, um, so my freshman year, I come in, and I really, like, when I tell you, I really had no expectations of playing. 
my goal, like my crazy goal that I wanted to achieve was like, that'd be so cool if like I could be the closer here. Like that would be great. And one day he asked me like what my goals were. I told him and he goes, no, that's not good enough. I was like, uh, shit. Okay. <laughs> um, I was like, all right, how about, all right, I want to be a starter. He goes, no, that's not good enough. I was like, all right, I want to be the Friday guy. He goes, there we go. That's a goal you can, you should strive for the entire year. So, all right, sounds good. I'll, I'll get, I'll get working on it. I'll try my best to do it. And sure enough, by the end of the year, I wasn't the Friday guy, but I was the game two guy as a freshman and I, I could not have been happier about it. So, um, I was, I was pumped that, you know, I was able to make those strides. And like I said, like I give Chris all that credit, uh, cause you know, without him, I wouldn't have probably had that fire in me. I wouldn't have had that motivation to try to be that pitcher that ended up becoming. Yeah. I mean, you know, like you said, there's, D2 baseball, D1 baseball, any kind of college baseball in Florida is just no joke. Um, you know, a, a lot of talent on that roster at Rollins College. Talk about how you grew as a player. You, you detailed it just a second ago there, but how you grew as a person throughout your time and, and how it kind of helped you form into a professional baseball player by the end of it at Rollins. Yeah, um, I think a big uh, takeaway actually I got my sophomore year was when we got a new pitching coach in uh, Pat Zerba. And when he first got there, a Big, when he first got there, the entire time I was there with him, um, he talked a lot about um, just having a consistent routine. And the first time I heard it, I was like, sure, whatever. It went in one out year and went out the other. And I didn't really pay much attention to it, but slowly over time, I started realizing more and more, and I understand more and more now. If you ask any of my teammates that I play with now with the Pirates, you they will tell you that I keep a black notebook and I keep in that detail every single part of the week and I detail every part of the routine and everything is down to an absolute T where it's almost, I need a timer like on the day of my starts so that I know what's going on. I know, um, I, I just, there's a whole plan in place the entire time when I'm out on the mound. Um, and even, you know, leading up to it. But th- I think that was probably one of the bigger things, um, that helped me grow into the professional that I am today, just having a routine and being able to stick to it because that's, Having that routine at first, like I said, I didn't understand it, but then I started realizing it. Like this routine is what's going to make sure that my body, my mind, and everything is in set, in place, ready to go, so that I'm always in the best possible position to compete, whether it's physically or mentally on that. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, every pitcher has their own kind of crazy routine. Trevor Bowie yeah. to throw the spears and you know, all kinds <laughs> of crazy stuff. What What was that routine like for you? You said you started to form it that sophomore year. Was it, you know, how, how detailed was it at first and, and how has that kind of shifted? Um, at the very most, it started at like, it started as simple as, okay, throw a bullpen on Wednesday and if I'm pitching on Friday, stuff like that. Like it was that bare bones. And now it's down to the point where I have a individualized routine for a five day. I have an individualized routine for a six day, depending if like, I know we have an off day coming up, if I know the rain's going to happen and cancel out one of our games. Um, so I always know like what is, what's on the agenda, what's on the plan. And part of, you know, one of the bad parts about this year is that I wasn't able to, you know, continue on staying on that routine. Um, but like there's even in those, uh, I put it back. There's, I used to say, it, I think I have it written down somewhere in my book. Um, it's the fifth day, obviously when I'm out on the mound matters a lot. But the four days leading up to that start are more important than that fifth day almost because that in those four days is when I'm able to do so much more work and put my body through so much more to get it ready for that fifth day that it's 
I almost had more emphasis on those four days than the actual day where I get to be on the mound and I get to compete. Yeah. I think you need to, I think you need to just make a, a standard copy of this book for everybody to, you know, help us <laughs> our lives, man. This sounds, this sounds detailed. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I probably should have a better schedule too when it comes to you know, the rest of my life, but <laughs> um, I'm working on, I'm working on it. Like, for example, like my podcast, like I, dude, it's, I'm actually proud of myself because it's, I'm already done and have everything prepared for tomorrow morning. Um, when usually it's Sunday night, I'll get off from work and then I'll have to start working away at it right away. Um, but at least this week, you know, it's already done, ready to go. Have it all the timer set up for the automatic uploads at like 5 a.m. So I don't have to worry about it. And then I just got to post about it tomorrow. Man, yeah. Automatic uploads. We need to, we need to merge some technologies here, Brad. <laughs> oh yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be more than happy to uh, shoot you what I use. I'm really happy with it. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll have a, maybe a, a merger episode between the, the minor league talk and run, but we'll get a we'll crossover. Yeah, let's do it. Have a crossover. <laughs> so you get done with your first two years at Rollins and you know, you said all kinds of improvements coming just in those first two into yeah. your junior year. Talk about that and kind of how you noticed your game develop as you became an upperclassman and you know how that shifted to the thought of, I really want to do this at the next level. Yeah. Um, well, going into my sophomore year, I started realizing more and more that like the draft is more and more of an opportunity that was something that was realistic for me. Um, my freshman year, like we had scouts around because, like I said, the kid Chris Corbett was a huge uh, component and was a was an amazing guy, an amazing player. Um, so scouts were already coming around, and then I had heard that like some guys had written my name down, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Someone wrote my name down. I was <laughs> like, "Oh my god!" Um, but actually, I can't, I'm doing it again. I'm taking another step back. But um, probably, you know, going into uh, my sophomore year when I was, uh, I played out in the Hamptons Collegiate League, and that was that experience alone um, probably did more for my pro career than most of my time at Rollins. Um, I remember just like getting out there and being and feeling so overwhelmed with insecurities because of a, because I was a D two guy. Um, that I felt like I had to prove so much to not only myself, but to my teammates too, because they were all D one guys. And I would tell them they like, we would all get to know each other. Like, Hey man, what's your name? They go, I'm Brad. I go to Rollins college. They go, you, do you go where? I was like, yeah, exactly. Don't worry about it. And so like no one, uh, I feel like not a lot of guys give me credit, which I don't blame them for. Like I never even heard of Rollins until they offered me either. Um, but I, I went through that summer and, I remember we had an all-star game coming up and I was like, Oh, like that'd be really cool to play in it. And I look at my coach, I go, coach, you think I'm going to play in it? He goes, Brad, you're leading the league in strikeouts, ERA and wins. You're going to start in it. I was like, Oh, all right. (laughs) I didn't even realize. That's a humble question, man. You got those numbers. (laughs) I really didn't know. Like I wasn't being, I wasn't like trying to draw attention to it. I actually like didn't even realize. I was like, Oh, huh. I, I guess I am. All right, cool. So yeah, I went to this, uh, we go to this all-star game with a, I drive a couple of my buddies out there and uh, they were on the team with me. And I just was like, we get there and I'm thinking it's, oh, it's the Hanson's Collegiate League, like all-star game. Like, this will be fun. And we get there and like, there's like scouts. And we're like, whoa, we're like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, like 10 scouts were there and then 15 scouts and then 20. And it felt like 35 scouts, 40 scouts were there by the end of the, like, by the time the game got going, we were like, holy crap, what's going on? Um, in that game alone, we had the guys that got drafted. It was me, Jamie Gallison, Jojo Gray, who's about to make the big leagues with the Dodgers. Um, 
who else? Uh, I'm forgetting his name. John Rooney. Um, and then there's a prospect with the um, Richie Palacios, prospect with the Indians. Um, Reese near like there was a there's a laundry list of guys that were playing in the game, which is like crazy to look back on now. But that um, we're hanging out waiting for the beginning of the game to start, and I'm kind of like playing catch off to the side, like just kind of goof around talking to some of the other players. And all of a sudden, I see um, my middle school gym coach in the stands. I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing here? Like, what are you do? I walk up and like plunk it. Like, what are you doing here, man? He goes, oh, I'm a scout for the White Sox. And I was like, what? <laughs> And he's like, yeah, dude, we've been following you. You've been tearing it up this summer. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, like, we think you're going to get drafted. I was like, and that was the first time in my entire life that I, it it started. The way I like to phrase it on my podcast is that it stopped being if I get drafted, it became a when I get drafted. Like, it all of a sudden the flip had switched. And I was like, oh, my God, like, this is something I could really do. So and I finished out that summer. I had a great year. Um, I go to uh, go back to rounds my sophomore year. I started developing more of this routine with my coach and I come out of that and I was, I was really happy with it. Um, and coming into my junior year, I was kind of had this mindset of like, all right, I'm the guy, like I, we need to win every time we pitch, we need to do as well. Like if I'm on the mound, there's no excuse. Like, and it has to be a W. Um, and I have to go out there and have a two year array. I got to have even more strikeouts than I had last year. I got to do this. I got to do that. And I put, all of the pressure in the world on me and it didn't, it did nothing but hurt myself and I've regretted it a lot now. And I think I know how to deal with pressure better because of it. But looking back, like I really did not do myself any favors um, by, you know, having all that pressure on me. What, what changed? How did you flip that switch back to, to the old Brad case? Um, before, like you're talking about the switch of like if to when? Yeah. The How did you get back? You know, how did you unsuck yourself out? I guess. How did you, you know, just simplify things, hit the reset button and, you know, get back to the Brad case from that sophomore year, take the pressure off, I guess. Um, I, my, that whole junior year, I never really got back to it. Um, we had some stuff happen, uh, internally with our team that was just really hard to deal with. Um, and it kind of got to the point where the whole team, we were all kind of on the same page of like, it's just, move through this year and try to make the most of it as we can. Um, Cause it was, there were some tough things that happened. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say that, you know, the weird, the craziest thing is about that team is that we had, we lost, I think 19 games in a row in a 50 game season. Wow. And from that team alone, I think I want to say six guys went on to play professional baseball. And at my time overall at Rollins, I think we have eight guys that went on to play professional baseball. Like we were, we had talented players, um, but we just never were able to put it together on the field, which was a real shame. But now we got guys, like I said, Corbett was drafted by the Giants. My one of my best friends, Brian Auerbach, was assigned as a free agent with the Phillies. Um, some of my other best friends, Anthony Gervados plays indie ball. Uh, Whit Drennan plays for the Astros. Cameron Inc. plays for the Rockies. Um, Garrett Leonard plays with me on the Pirates. Uh, Jimmy Robbins plays with the Blue Jays. Like there's a just crazy list of guys that like we all came out of there and we all played together, but we were never able to put it together on the field, which kind of stunk. Um, but like I said, we tried to move through that year the best we could. And then the draft came around. And then once the draft happened, I tried to put everything behind me and I just tried to start focusing on the future.
let's talk about that future. Talk about the the draft night and just what that experience is like. We've heard, you know, everybody kind of describe it differently, but for you, what was that moment like? It, it's something that, you know, I can't imagine. It sucked. <laughs> um, I mean, no, no, don't get me wrong. It was, it's a lot. It's really cool to to get drafted, get your name called. Yeah. But the week leading up to it, like, I, dude, I didn't sleep, I didn't eat, like, I, I felt terrible. Um, I was a nervous wreck, and that was part. I think that was part of the whole, like, putting too much pressure on myself. I still had not like kind of moved out of that um, because, like, in my own eyes, at least, I became the kid that's supposed to get drafted. And there is plenty of guys that are from my area that were really good or they said they were really good and said they were going to get drafted, but never did get drafted. And I had a lot of fear that I was going to become another one of those guys. So when I got home, actually I give my dad kind of, I always give my dad a lot of crap for this um, because he was like, yeah, like Brad's going to get drafted. And so, so and saying this to people, and I was like, dad, like shut up. <laughs> and I was like, dude, like, you can't be saying that to people. Um, I got to the point where a couple of people were like, Brad, we should hang out. I'm like, dude, we haven't hung oh, out since like, sixth grade. I'm like, no, we're not. I was like, sure, I'll see you around. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just, the, the draft week is moving along and uh, my agent's like, yeah, maybe day two something happens, but you're probably a day three guy. I was like, all right, cool. So that sounds good. So watch day one, um, watch day two. And at this point, the after day two, like I started getting an idea. I think it was, we pretty much, my family were on the same page. Like, okay, it's probably going to be uh, the Mets are interested. I, I had gotten interest from a bunch of teams, but um, overall I had gotten a lot of interest from the Mets, the Pirates, and the Blue Jays. And actually, like, to try to take some stress off, I went to the city to try to, you know, hang out with my friends, just relax a little bit. And I'm out, I'm out like, hanging out at a bar, just kind of, like, trying to blow off some steam, relax a little bit. And the Blue Jays got text me, a dollar amount and I just spit out my drink and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like freaking out. I'm like, Holy crap. Holy crap. My friends are like, Brad, relax, relax, relax. Um, uh, but you know, I, I text my agent send him all that. I'm like, please just talk to my agent about this so I can figure that out. Um, but you know, I get, I get home and the next day we're like hanging, hanging out, waiting for the draft to start and the draft starts and I watch rounds 11 through 14 and I just shut off my laptop and I'm like, I can't watch this anymore. I was like, I am losing my freaking mind. Like my family feels how much stress I have too. Cause they, they wanted to have a party. Like they wanted to have people over waiting for the moment. And I was like, no, we're not doing that. Um, just cause I felt like I was going to be so embarrassed if I had, if, had all these people in my house and then ended up not getting drafted. So um, I was just had it, me and my family and we're all hanging out. We're all, we're all waiting for something to happen. I get a phone call and it's my agent. He goes, Hey, Mets want to draft you for X amount of money. And it was less than the amount that me and my agent had talked about. So we were like, mm, I was like, no, I was like, I, your advice to me before this process started was to stick to my number and I'm going to stick to my number. So I was like, all right, sounds good. I'll tell them. And I hang up the phone. And I go, Oh God, what did I do? <laughs> um, 10 minutes later, he calls me again. Hey, Pirates going to meet you at your number. I was like, all right, cool. And all I said on the, all my parents could hear me say on the phone was, all right, cool. So my dad goes, what was that? I go, nothing. <laughs> and I lean over to my little brother, who's just uh, two years younger than me. And I go, Pirates are going to take me with their next pick. He goes, oh. He gets all excited. And I didn't even realize he did it. He took his phone and set it up in the corner to record the moment. So we actually have the moment still like something we can all like go back and watch, which is really cool. Um, and I'm sitting there and I pull out the laptop and I like I pull up the live stream again. 
and I go, mom, come here. And I look at, I point at the screen and my name pops up and they say it on the computer and she starts jumping up and down and screaming and she's going crazy. And I was just like, I was all happy. Um, my dad came over, gave me a big hug. And then I was, I was, it was a really great moment. Um, but then immediately after I got, Oh my God, I got drafted. The thought it all washed away. And all of a sudden, the only thing that was just painted in my brain was, Oh my God, I have so much work to do now if I want to make it to the big leagues. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. I, you know, I think most guys maybe take that day, a couple of days to really celebrate. You're different, Brad. You, you know, you're a hard worker. You obviously <laughs> turn the page pretty quick there. But, you know, I got to imagine in that moment when you get the call, when you see that you're getting drafted, just the weight lifted off of your shoulders of thinking, I get to play baseball for a career, you know, no matter how long that is. That, that's my reality for a little bit. Was that, that, you know, chip on your shoulder, I guess, you know, fulfilled there when you thought, hey, I, I was a D2 guy. You know, I didn't know what was in my future. In high school, I, I didn't even think I had a chance. Was that was that weight just completely lifted in that moment, getting the call from the Pittsburgh Pirates? Yeah. Um, I mean, just like within that three-year span of like 2015, I'm graduating high school. And I'm like, there's no way I played professional baseball to being drafted. I, like you could have told – if you told like that senior in high school – that that was going to happen to him. Like I would literally look at you in the face and be like, you're insane. Like there's no way that's happening. Um, but here I am. Like I, it's, it's still, there's, there's obviously still a lot of days even today where I'm like, holy crap, like I'm a professional baseball player. Like, that's so cool. Um, and it's, it's something that a lot of people don't get to say, which is unfortunate. And um, it's just, it's a cool, it's a really cool experience. And it's, I, I, there's nothing, I would never trade it. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world and it's, it's been a lot of fun so far, but um, yeah, the, it was, it was pretty cool. Just, it still is cool just to think like, yeah, like I play baseball for, I wouldn't call it a living, but I get to play baseball for money. <laughs> yeah. No, no, man. That's, that's what, you know, that's the dream. That, that's what everybody, every youth baseball player is trying to get to. Um, you know, you said unfortunate yeah. that, that everybody doesn't get to do it, but I think that just adds to the, the elite factor of getting to do it and you know, yeah. getting to be a part of that. Marty and I tried out for the team past few years. Haven't gotten a call back. <laughs> you know, we're still trying, but. Um, I wonder, I think they just lost your phone number. I'll, I'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, maybe make some, make some calls. I don't know. <laughs> um, but. But yeah, man, it's, you know, that, that is something that so few people get to do. You get the call, you realize it's going to be with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, Pittsburgh Pirates, what was your first reaction to that? Um, it was cool. I, like, uh, Pittsburgh was not really a place that was uh, too much on the forefront of my mind growing up, just being from New York. Like, I don't know. It, it was always like, I knew, obviously knew what Pittsburgh was, but I never was like thinking about Pittsburgh a lot. Um, the most I think I ever talked about Pittsburgh was uh, me and my little brother have a, like this funny running joke of uh, Have you ever seen the movie Forty Two? Oh yeah, man, classic. Yeah, there's a, there's one scene where a guy is all pissed off. He's traded to Pittsburgh, and he goes Pittsburgh, and like okay, me and my brother laugh about it all the time. Um, so when I first got drafted by them, uh, drafted by the Pirates, like he, my brother would like look at me and go Pittsburgh. Um, but it's an awesome city. I've been there. Uh, I've been there twice uh, since being drafted. Um, it's a great spot. It's such a cool town. Um, it's got. It's such a cool, like blue collar, rustic oh, yeah. place. Um, the rivers are beautiful. Um, it, it really is something special. Um, and I, dude, I am so excited to uh, get there and make that crowd roar like it did back in 2013 that wild card game. I, I really like. 
I'm sure there are guys that say this and, you know, it's because you're supposed to say it, but dude, like I, I really want to freaking get that place rocking it and rolling and make it one of the loudest, scariest places to play in all of major league baseball, because I know those fans can bring that energy every single night. Oh yeah, man. It's that, that 2013 game. That, that was just, it was different. Like that's what's possible in Pittsburgh. It's, it's so fun. Cause the, the fan base is so, you know, die hard. I feel like yeah. um, it, it's, it's really a special place to be. And I think I got some, some beef with uh, 42 myself, I, they were, uh, I think they were playing the Pirates in the game. Um, yeah, towards you know. the end of the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I, I feel like that wasn't historically accurate. They were trying to make Pittsburgh out to be the bad guy, whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just hit us because they it's at the end. Of the yeah, game. I don't, I don't think they get to really. I don't know if you look at the history books though, in terms of all that, um, in terms of that kind of aspect of baseball. Like we were the first team to ever field an all. Um, and all, I think it was, was it all Spanish? Or was it all black and all black field? Um, but like we, like we've had some of the great, like not even just great African-American and great at Spanish players of the game, just great players of the game. Oh, yeah. And Willie Stargell and uh, Roberto Clemente, like we, we've had some of the, you know, so I think that if that movie's trying to say anything about Pittsburgh, like Pittsburgh has done more enough, more than enough talking um, to show that, you know, they, you know, things are good and, I think you get what I mean. Oh, yeah. No, with what you were uh, getting at there, Brad, it was the first all-minority lineup. Yes, yes. Of African-American players and Hispanic players. Yeah, I didn't know how to put it exactly, but yeah, thank you. But yeah, no, there's just no denying the history with the organization, five World Series, just everything about it. It's had a, you know, a bit of a difficult past year in the last 20 years, but some incredible moments throughout that as well with the Andrew McCutcheon teams and everything else. and. Oh, absolutely. You know, the future is looking so bright with this club. Talk about yeah. the culture that you've you've kind of been able to witness so far in your time with the organization and just the guys that are part of this program. Dude, there I freaking all right. I, I say this a lot and I don't know <laughs> I always preface with I don't know if this is the case with every organization because you're in that organization and like that's kind of what you see, but dude, there are some freaking dudes. Like we, if things pan out, yeah. we are going to be an absolute problem in this league. It's going to be a really fun time uh, to be a Pittsburgh Pirates fan in this next couple of years, whether it's guys like O'Neill Cruz putting balls consistently in the river, or if it's guys like Blake Cedarland and Nick Mears coming out of the bullpen and throwing 102, or Aaron Shortridge painting corners, or Joe Jakes, or John O'Reilly, or Shea Murray, or like the list goes on and on. Like, Mason Martin, it's it's kind of silly. Like when you look at all the names and what these guys can do as individuals, I, I think it's going to be an absolute problem um, for the rest of the league. And I, I think the culture itself has been great. Um, there, we just want to win. Like um, that the Greensboro team that I was on for the first half of last year, man. Oh my god! Like we just we went out there and we actually just found every way possible to win. We didn't know if it, if it required a shutout from our pitchers. We didn't know if it required eight um, doubles in a row by our fielders. We didn't know if we had to play with gold gloves out there that day, but we knew that there was going to be one way or another that we were going to find a way to win. You love to hear that, man. And I, you know, I think that's the culture a lot around the league, but especially in Pittsburgh. And we saw that at the big league level this year. That team had some problems. There's no secret. There's no way around it. They were, you know, down in some spots, but they still battled. They still fought. It was, it was great mm-hmm. to see. You personally talk about your experiences in Greensboro and, and that first year of getting to the organization and getting to professional baseball. What was that like trying to adjust? Yeah. Um, so my first, when I first got drafted, I felt 
honestly a little bit of a kind of a cool connection with Pittsburgh for three reasons. Um, the first one being that, do you guys remember uh, Matt Seelinger? He was a prospect with the Pirates a while ago. Yeah. Yeah, he, um, me and him were actually friends. We played together in the Hamptons League. Um, so uh, he, when, when I got drafted by the Pirates, he like reached out to me and was like, dude, can't wait to be your teammate. You're going to love Morgantown. You're going to love all these places. Like, it's, it's a blast. I was pretty excited about that. Um, and then there's a guy in my town named Joe Salmini, who is basically, he's, you know, the guy in your town, he's not the mayor, but he's kind of the mayor of the town. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's that guy. He was the best. Uh, he ran a lot of the baseball organizations around here. Um, I played for him in the past and he was a Pittsburgh pirate, uh, in the minors for them. Uh, dude, I want to say in the sixties, like it was a long time ago. Yeah. So he was really excited when I was out, when I was drafted. And then, um, probably the coolest part about when I first came there to sign and like check out the locker room and everything and check out the field is that, um, the third baseman for the pirates, uh, Kyle Moran, me and him actually went to the same high school together. Oh, no way. Yeah. We were never, we were obviously he was much older than me. Um, but it was still kind of cool being like, Oh wow. Like the only other Iono prep guy in the league, um, is a pirate just like me. So I've always felt like that's kind of a cool connection there. Um, although I've only met Colin once, and if you guys know anything about Khan, he is not exactly a talkative guy. Yeah, no. That's like one of the like running jokes like on like Pirate Twitter during the season is like anytime they actually catch him like smiling in the dugout, it's a huge deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just, like, he, I the funny thing is is like I got that warning too. Catch him showing emotion, like Twitter just blows up about it. Yeah, that's funny. Um yeah, he that's the see that's the thing too, is like my, co- my high school coaches told me, like, yeah, like, when you meet Kyle, I'm like, he's a quiet guy. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Okay, yeah, I got gotcha. you. And you know what I mean? Like, usually when you hear someone's a quiet guy, it means that they're more quiet, more reserved. Like, yo, he doesn't talk. <laughs> like, I love, like, I don't want him to think I'm talking smack about him right now, but he is just stone cold silent, and that's just how he is. And I was like, all right, cool. Didn't know that, but sounds good. Um but I got to talk to him a little bit more, and he he was quiet, but he was a really nice guy. Um, so it's been kind of cool. Every time, like he's had some hot streaks uh, up with the Pirates, and every time he does that, I don't know. I feel, I feel like I love like watching him succeed because then it makes me think, like you know, if he can go there and succeed in the big league level, like then I have a chance too. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, he's getting to be you know in the organization. Everybody has a chance, and, and you know, your career is already on its way. Talk about the early goings and kind of maybe your, your struggles and what you did well and kind of how it's gone so far. Yeah. Um, I think the best way to start is with how like, like literally how like day one started after, you know, I get to Pittsburgh. Um, I got there and signed and I'm all excited. I'm there with, uh, the group that the guys that I signed with was Zach Spears, Zach Susie, Aaron Shortridge, uh, Brett Kinnaman and, um, and Logan Stolke. And these are all like some of the top round guys. And I was like, what the hell am I doing here? And they're all told that they're going to Morgantown. And I was like, well, I wasn't told I was going anywhere. So I must be going to Morgantown too. And I'm all excited because I like, it's Morgantown, West Virginia. It's a fun college town. I was all excited to be a professional baseball player living there. And um, I'm all pumped. And all of a sudden uh, we are, we're all in there signing stuff. And then they're like, oh, Brad, you're going to the GCL. And I was like, wait, what? And they're like, yeah, you're going to the rookie ball. I was like, oh, all right. Uh, you guys have fun in Morgantown. <laughs> and I get down to the GCL. And if you guys know anything about the GCL, you know it is one hell of a time down there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I went from thinking I was going to be playing in front of fans and playing with um, 
playing just in a fun environment to, you know, waking up every morning at 6 a.m., uh, grab breakfast and get on the field for four days or sorry, for four hours. Um, and then watching a game after that, it, it was, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough lifestyle. It's a tough way to play baseball, especially as your first experience in a pro ball. But, um, you know, I, there was a long time there where I was like struggling and I wasn't doing well. And I think my ERA got up to like a seven and a half and I was just pissed. And finally I kind of had a conversation with myself one day. I was like, all right, you know what? It's stopping right now. Like I'm going to be better after this. And I just, I, I went out there, um, and LB who is sorry, Larry Broadway. Um, I call I tell myself that he's like a good luck charm for me because he got there and I threw like a one hit shutout right away. And I was like, all right, there we go. This is, I needed to do that. I needed that in me. Um, then the year kind of progresses along in the summer and I'm just dying that like someone, like someone gets moved up somewhere where I can get some room to get out of there. And eventually um, we trade Shane Boz who was actually, I got a chance to meet him and he was a fantastic guy. Um, and it's too bad we traded him, but yeah. we traded him and I get moved up to take his spot. And I was more than ecstatic. Um, and then Larry Broadway is there again, the minor league coordinator. And I throw another one hit shutout in front of him. And I was pumped about that again too. And then, you know, I pitch. So I pitch that game. I pitch one more game and then the season's over in, uh, over in Bristol. And I'm like, all right, sweet. Good. There are 145 innings this year. My arm's killing me. <laughs> Time to hang it up for the year. I'm calling that success. And then my manager calls me in, uh, Miguel Perez. He's like, hey, Brad, uh, you're actually going to Morgantown now. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool. Sounds good. So I jump on the plane and I try, fly up there and I go out there. And I. Uh, it was kind of cool, like running into all the guys I had met back in June, signing in Pittsburgh. I got to run up. I had to, get to uh, catch up to them eventually um, up in Morgantown. And I pitched there one game. And I pitched a good game there too, so I was happy with it. Um, yeah, that was it. Was kind of the first. It was it was an interesting first experience in a pro ball because, like I said, like it was 150 innings my first year between college and uh, playing for the Pirates. So it was a lot of my arm, but I was really happy with how it ended, just because you know I got not only one uh, chance to get promoted and prove myself, I got two chances uh, to get promoted and prove myself. So I felt like I put myself in a really good position. Um, with the entire organization and show them that like wherever you guys put me, like I'm going to find a way to succeed. I'm going to find a way to accomplish uh, what you guys need me to do. Um, so then going into the next year, I kind of, I kind of assumed that I was going to go back to uh, Morgantown just because I got moved there so late and I got, um, and I'm a little bit of a lower uh, round because we had a lot of starting pitching um, ahead of me. So I, I kind of assumed that I was going to be kind of pushed back, but you know, I busted my butt in spring training. I did everything they needed me to do. And I showed them that I was willing to, you know, put in all the little details of hard work to, you know, to get there. Um, so then, yeah, when it came down to it, uh, I made that team, I made the Greensboro team at the gate, which I was a little surprised, honestly, but once I did it, I was ecstatic. I got there and I knew that, um, in order to keep on going and keep me moving uh, up, I had to go out there, not only pitch as well as I could pitch every time, not only, you know, do the, all the work between during those four days in between each start, but I kind of, you know, I wanted to create that winning culture because I knew like, yeah, it's great if I make it to Pittsburgh, but if we're, if I get to Pittsburgh and like, we're not winning, like that's not going to be any fun. Like I said, like we didn't win in college. We won in high school. We were pretty good in high school 
and that was a blast to be a part of, but we didn't win in college and that wasn't really fun. So I, I feel like getting to Greensboro and helping create that winning culture as much as I could was going to be almost as important as what I did on the field too. Definitely, man. That's, that's great to hear. Cause you know, winning culture, when your winners win at the end of the day and having that winning culture throughout the minor league system is, is huge for the yeah. this team in a small market. Uh, you know, of course it's even harder to win. So hearing that is great. Um, we'll talk about kind of how the grind compares at that level to what it was in college, you know, the step up from, from college ball to the professional level. Was it a severe change? We, you know, Vlad Madris was telling us that it really wasn't even that big of a deal just because of how intense college baseball can be at times. For you, was it a big switch up? I know you said you had to pitch like 150 innings. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's a little different for position guys versus pitchers. Uh, Cause like I said, like, um, pit, I mean, position guys got to make sure they're ready every single day. Yeah. And outfielders, especially like those guys, if those guys have a day where they're playing, Get someone like me, and they got to chase down some deep flight balls, man. They, they're gonna have a long day out there making some sprints. Um, but, um, sorry, uh, it was uh, it, it's just different. Um, it, the I thought honestly, I, I enjoy pro ball immensely more because I don't have to worry about three, four, or five other classes yeah. going on, I don't really have to worry about social life. Like, I don't like obviously, I still want to be social. But like when you're playing pro ball, like your life is wake up, hang out, eat some eggs, play some video games, go to the field, hang out some more, get your work in, do other things you got to do, shag BP, um, and then just watch a baseball game. And for me, someone I, I'm really, I, I really do pride myself. And when I say this, like I'm obsessed with baseball. Like I know like history back and forth. Like I love baseball. I'll watch it all day long. Um, and, you know, just be around that all the time. Like, it did not bother me at all. Like, it made me really happy. And it, it's a blast. Like, it, there's really nothing more to it. It's just, like, you wake up and just baseball is your job. It's the, you wake up, you get your stuff done, you watch a baseball game, and you go to bed, and you just do it all again the next day. And it's it's an, honestly, it was a really great time, and it sucks that I've only got a, gotten the chance to do that for one full year so far. Yeah, man, that's the lifestyle. Like, oh, that just sounds that sounds ideal. I think everybody needs to do that for a day. Um, you know, it just sounds paradise yeah. for you. It's yeah, it's like living the dream. I gotta say, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's certainly a good time. Um, there were times though at the end of the year, you know, when uh, I've heard the phrase uh, "August angries." Um, when you get to the end of the year and you're kind of tired, it's just like it, it gets a little numbing at sometimes, but. For most of the year, like it's an absolute blast. It's an absolute great time. Um, but I would do it. I would freaking give anything to be able to make sure that we can play the full year next year. Yeah, no kidding, man. It, it was such a just horrendous year for sports, for life, for everything. Um, you know, minor league baseball players really got the shortest end of the stick in, in the baseball world. What was it like for you personally this year? The, the challenges and just dealing with everything going on? Um. So I'll talk, there's two things I'll kind of talk about right here. Uh, the first is, um, it, it really, I, I really hate to like kind of criticize and kind of point any fingers, but like, it really did suck to not kind of have any guidance as to what was going on. Um, cause like they, I got home, I, I get in the beginning, no one really had answers, but like I got home and I was like, all right, we're playing. I was like two weeks, we're going to be down there. Like I'm going to keep working this entire time. And 
I felt like I said that for like four or five months where I just was convinced that we were going to play. And I kind of went a little crazy with it. Um, But like there wasn't a ton of guidance, which really irked me. Um, Because I would have loved just the, hey, like, okay, you can like hit the brakes a little bit, like just kind of hang out. Like we don't know what's happening. Um, Because I was really convinced like I had to stay ready. Um, So I busted my butt the whole time. Uh, And then I was up here in New York, actually. And I was just a couple of miles from New Rochelle, New York, which is one of the hottest spots, yeah. which one of the biggest breakouts in the country. Um, so like I, I was kind of nervous to come home at first at all. Um, but you know, yeah. I get here and all the gyms were completely shut down. I think the gyms opened up again. It's like September. So mm-hmm. between March and September, I originally started with a log in my garage that weighed 50 pounds <laughs> I'm not kidding. I would literally just do squats and lunges and whatever I could. Um, the pirates would send us like body workouts to do. And I would do that on top with like the weights that I could find. Um, and then I was very fortunate that, uh, one of our good family friends, uh, works in a military base and they had a full weight room and he was kind of able to sneak in there and grab some stuff for me. So I was able to, you know, work out still for a little bit. Um, that's nice. Yeah. So I got to do that. And then, uh, there's actually, Two guys, uh, two brothers um, that you're going to definitely be hearing their names in a couple of years, uh, whether it's the minor league circuit or the major league circuit. Uh, Jack Keenan, he's a left-handed pitcher at Marist College. And then uh, Jimmy Keenan, his little brother, is this kid is 16 years old and he is bigger than me. Oh, and he's not height-wise, but like strong-wise. Like he is a absolute unit. <laughs> and he was catching bullpens for me and for like three other pro guys the entire time. Oh, man. Um, yeah, just an overall, like, one of the greatest kids. Like, he's just one of those guys. He's got a 99 average in every class, and he's ginormous, and he can hit the ball over the fence as a sophomore in high school. Like, he, he is something else. Um, yeah, so I, I pretty basically trained with him, like, every single day uh, for months. Um, and just kept kept working at it. And, you know, and then it turned that turned into, oh, we found a place to work out and we're working out in parking lots and we were working out like behind stores. And I was throwing bullpens behind a pizza place at one point. Like <laughs> I found anything and everything I could to, you know, make sure I kept going. Um, it was tough, but, you know, it was it was a good year because I at least got to learn a lot about baseball, um, a lot about how bodies move and a lot about uh, just the more of the science behind like how we get our body into the right positions and why guys throw hard versus other guys and little uh, keys and tricks along the way. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, it sounds like you took the opportunity to, to learn and to grow. I feel like there were some cases where people just, you know, didn't get much done and and used it in the wrong ways. You used it as a way to build. When did the, I guess, guidance start to come back? When did they begin to tell you, you know, what direction things were going in and and where things were going to end up? Um, it was beginning to hit, um, I think it was, I want to say like the end of June is when I started getting more of an idea, like, okay, this is what we're doing. Um, and then they announced like the alternate training site and I was like, okay, maybe I have a chance at that. Um, but I, I knew that was going to be kind of a long shot. Um, and then I actually, I got, I injured, I took, got a small, tiny injury, um, and I knew that kind of knocked me out of any kind of running if I was going to be close to being called uh, to go, you know, work out in Altoona with the alternate site. Mm-hmm. So I, I 
once that happened, I was kind of like, all right, yours is probably over. And then um, they were like, no, we still want you to get healthy. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen in the fall. So I was like, all right, sounds good. Got ready again. And then I was hoping that I'd either get called down to instructs, get or find a spot over in like the Mexican league, Dominican league, Puerto Rican league, Australian league, anywhere. Um, but after some looking, wasn't able to lock down anything. So I ended up just, uh, just calling it a year and then um, just get into off season lifting mode. Yeah. This, this freed up some time though, Brad, you, like I mentioned at the top of the show, you're a fellow podcaster over quarantine. You started a podcast of your own. Talk about that and, and where that's taking yeah. you. Yeah. Um, it's called the minor league take. Um, couldn't think of a better name, so I went with that. Um, yeah, no, I just I knew for a long time that there's some guy like there's some guys that I play with that have just like incredible stories. Like um, Joe Jakes was on the podcast; he's got an insane story. I really encourage you to check out that. Um, but the thing that I want to highlight more than anything was that it doesn't really matter how you start, who you are, where you're from, or anything like that. Um, like you, you can find a way to play this game. Um, Pat Dorian's another crazy story that I've really encouraged to check out too. Um, it, it's just, it's a matter of, you know, getting this information to kids that, you know, are interested in playing at the next level. Um, it, it's also going to be for parents that are trying to help their kids out too. It can be for even the normal person that's like, Hey, like I like the pirates or I like these prospects. Let's check out this. Um, cause I obviously I'm going to be able to get a lot of pirates guys on because I have such a close connection with these guys. Yeah. Um, but I've got guys from other organizations as well. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. Um, and I think it's been a good opportunity too to understand how, um, kind of marketing works and how other things work in that kind of aspect. Um, I've made a total of like $3 so far in my podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> we're doing real well on ad sales. Yeah. Um, yeah no, it's, it's a real money, uh, money making industry now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's been fun doing that. And then I also, um, kind of asked for some advice from some, uh, some of the, uh, more successful people that I know in my life. And they, I told them about this and they're like, it doesn't matter if you're necessarily going to be crazy successful. Like obviously best case scenario, this thing blows up and you like are doing this once a week and like you're making money doing it and you're having cool guests come on and you are making these great videos. Um, but more importantly, it's good that you can show that you're willing to do this work so that one day, if I do need to go into an office and get a job, I can show them this and be like, look, this is this project that I built from nothing. And from that, like I can, I'm showing you, like, maybe I don't know how to make this successful, but I'm showing you that I'm willing to work at it and do what the work and do the things that I have to do to try to make this thing work. Um, and try to bring it, you know, to, to the level that I want it to be at. Yeah. That's just such an awesome thing to have, man. You know, whether your career goes 25, 30 years and you get it. Yeah. Well, there, if I play till I'm 40, awesome. Yeah, exactly. If I don't, I got to kind of have to find something else that I got to be able to do. So. Oh yeah. You know, regardless, you got the podcast Renaissance, man. You're still playing the game right now. Um, yeah. Getting back into it this off season. Talk about how it's gone so far and, you know, kind of what you've been doing to, to really get back into the game. Um, prepare for this spring. Yeah. Um, so I actually, I moved uh, into an apartment with a couple of friends um, and that was a blast this off season. And I went and got a job and was working as a bartender. But as you know, uh, Governor Cuomo told us that we have to uh, lock down the city again. So I'm back home with my parents. Um, Cause I gotta like, go for my job. So I was like, well, I can't really stay here and keep training. So um, I moved back home and now I'm going to start training at a local place by me 
for a couple weeks. And then I'm actually in the process of moving all my stuff down to uh, Jupiter, Florida, so I can start training at the uh, Cressy facility. You guys know anything, do you guys know anything about Cressy? Uh, I haven't heard too much about it. Um, he's one of the guys. He's one of like the best trainers in all of baseball. Um, he tra- He was. He still trains Scherzer and Kluber and Syndergaard, and uh, like the list just goes on and on. If you like, go ahead and look it up. Yeah. Um, Brad Hand, like it's crazy the list of guys that he got. He has that come in there. Um, so I, I'm really excited to get down there. I trained remotely with him um, in 2018, going into 19, and that was a great. I enjoyed just doing that. Um, yeah. But this year, I'm going to be at the facility all the time. And I'm mostly doing this because I know that, um, especially with this year is as many questions as we have. Like if I end up spending four or five months going to this facility every day with major leaguers around me, like I know that I'm going to get better. Oh yeah. Like whether it's osmosis of just pure talent transferring to me or talking to these guys and learning more about the game. Like I know that I'm going to get better at baseball and I'm trying to set up a situation right now where I can be as successful as possible. Um, and I'm just really excited to get down there and, you know, start getting after it and enjoy it and, you know, understand more and more because as much as I love New York, it's not a great environment to train for baseball in January. February. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Probably a little, a little chilly up there. Yeah, a little cold. Yeah. yeah. I was really excited to start throwing last week and then it snowed a foot and a half. And I was like, oh, maybe I should wait. <laughs> Snow baseball. It's uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. That's why we, yeah. we play these I, games in the summer, um, you know, a little different, but that's going to yeah. be a great opportunity. To, to keep getting better as you prepare for this spring, where do you hope to be at the end of spring training? Once you get through it all, assuming we have, you know, relatively normal spring training and everything else, where do you want to be come, uh, you know, really the end of February, into March? Um, so I was told at the beginning of spring training last year that I had a good chance of making a double A team. Um, and then kind of looking at like who, like you kind of, I think every player does this where they kind of start looking ahead at like who's playing where, what position starters, relievers, all that kind of stuff. I kind of did the math and I was like, all right, it looks like I'm like a spot or two away from being in that Altoona rotation. Um, and then after cuts, some cuts were made, I was like, Oh wow. Like I, yeah, I guess I am in that Altoona rotation once, you know, now that I'm looking at it. Um, so I think, I think last year I was, you know, I was either, going to get there at some point or I was going to start there and I, I was more than excited to do that because um, I've heard nothing but great things about Altoona. and I've heard about how much of a baseball town it is and about how much the fans there really enjoy it so yeah I was uh, speaking speak from experience I lived in Altoona for four years um it's 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 a sneaky good baseball town well one thing I always tell people we talked about this Bly when he was on I think one thing that makes the Altoona fan base so good is most of the people who live in Altoona are also Pirate fans because it's yeah. only you know hour and a half, two hours away from Pittsburgh. So I think that makes the town get like super invested into their baseball team because it's like okay, you watch these guys now playing in Altoona, you know, a year or two or three down the road, they're going to be playing mm-hmm. for their favorite major league team as well. They're going to be trading out that uh, the Altoona curve half for that black and gold. Town to really invest in the team. Yeah, that is yeah, that is probably one of the cooler things. Um, one of my best experiences so far with fans has been in Greensboro, which is just a sick fan base. If you guys ever get a chance to go watch some games there, I really encourage you because we were getting like five, six thousand a night. But I've heard Altoona is the, like that. But now hearing, you know, obviously putting the math together that they're all actual Pittsburgh Pirates fans, I'm sure it's an even better environment because those fans are probably even more jacked up. 
Oh yeah, yeah. That ballpark in Greensboro is sweet too. Altoona as well. Really, all yeah. the way up. It's 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 world class facilities. Um, mm-hmm. You know. So Altoona is the goal for this this upcoming season. Let's let's talk even further. What what do you want to look back on at the end of your career as far as the impact goes and the success? You know, what kind of impact do you really want to leave? Um, I th- I think that I mean obviously I want to do the things like. I want to be the best pitcher I can be. I want to be the best teammate I can be. And I want to bring the most world series possible back to Pittsburgh. Um, Cause that is ultimately like one of the things that withstand the test of time. Uh, one of my, f- it's a weird thing that I do, but like I try to build on it every year. Um, I, ch- I can name every world series winner all the way back to like 1984. Oh, um, just for fun. Like I just do it just for fun, yeah. but like I want to try to build from farther back. But those are, those are always the, the things that withstand the test of time. Cause like, the 1979 championship, like it sits the one of the trophies, it sits in the one of the um, lobbies at at uh, PNC Park, and you know we it's it's too bad that that's you know that's the last time we won it. So to be able to bring more of those to Pittsburgh, be able to bring up more banners that are going to stand there, like those banners are going to stay there for the for the rest of time until baseball itself stops, which is never going to happen because this is the best sport in the world. Oh yeah. Um, so, you know, be able to bring back World Series would be really great. But I think more importantly, I think that as a baseball player, my job more than anything is to be an ambassador for the game and to try to bring as many people into our sport as possible. Um, I, I, I try to uh, – I have it written down in that famous black notebook I told you oh, about. Yeah, um, uh, it's, copies. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things I wrote down in that book is that um, – being in the field is about literally everybody else besides you. Um, it means not only am I there for my teammates, I'm there for like the people that are, you know, working the concession. I'm there for the owner. I'm there for the people in the front office that make the decisions. I'm there for all those things, but above all, I'm there for the fans because without the fans, there's like, this isn't a game. Like this is just something that you can do with your friends on the weekend. Like, Without the fans, you're not a professional. It doesn't mean anything. Um, like I've played in empty stadiums. It's really not fun. Um, it's fun to still play because you're playing baseball, yeah. but it's nothing to the same effect. Um, having fans in the stadium, having those people scream your name and having them cheer you on, it, it's probably the coolest thing in the entire world that you can experience. So um, if I can, you know, if I can be a Pittsburgh Pirate and make that if I can make PNC Park an absolute great time, an absolute blast, something that like people forever are going to have memories of, um, not even necessarily me playing, but just you know have, having a good time. If I can do that, then I'll know that my career was a, a success at the end of the day. And yeah, that's awesome goals. Uh, you know, great story, Brad. Thanks so much for coming on with us tonight. It's been truly a pleasure, pleasure getting to talk to you tonight and sharing all that with us. Yeah, guys, it was it was my pleasure too. This has been awesome. Um, it's always great to talk to, uh, not only, you know, just guys that report on the game, but guys that are Pittsburgh Pirates fans too. Definitely, man. Brad Case, one of the most humble guys you'll meet. Go check out his podcast, the minor league talk, check out, uh, his Twitter, his Instagram as well. You can find him, uh, at Brad underscore case. So love the, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I got that nickname my very first day at Pro Bowl. We ordered Mexican food for lunch, and now, like, knowing we were doing this thing as I was eating the queso, with our <laughs> all I could think about was your Twitter name. <laughs> One of the best in the business. Go check it out. Brad underscore queso. 
That's all the time that we have for this episode of Rum Buncher Radio. Thank you so much for joining us, as always. You can find us on Apple Music, on Spotify, fansided.com slash rumbuncher. You can hit us up on our social media at rumbuncher on Twitter. And we have an app as well. Go check it out at the App Store under rumbuncher. Until next time, my name is Trey Yannity with Marty Lee. This has been a production of Rumbuncher Radio. Let's go, Bob. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.